I would love to get to introduce to you guys my friend Jason French from Christen Youth from CIY. And I just really look forward to getting to spend the rest of our time together today talking about our youth, talking about the next generation and talking about it in this pivotal point in the year. I don't know about you guys. I'm pretty sure you all went to camp. Most of you are probably still going to camp <laughs> as church leaders to some degree, right? And every single time I went to camp, I came down the mountain I came home on the bus just so full, my heart so full. And then by the time it got to summer through the whole year and back to summer camp again, I was drained and I was really ready for that time at camp again. And I just really look forward to talking today about this pivotal season, about when you guys in your churches, you have all these youth that are coming home on the bus, coming down the mountain. They are, they are high on Jesus. And, and let's just talk about that. Let's talk about how to continue to encourage them, how to, how to just lean into that in this time of year. And so I have Jason with us and I just, I just am hoping Jason that we can just kick off with you introducing yourself. I just saw a note on Facebook that yesterday you celebrated 20 years of ministry with CIY. So just share a bit about yourself and what you're doing and what's going on at CIY. Yeah, I, thanks for having me. Uh, I think I was here a couple of years ago to meet and talk with you all, but it's it's good to be back. I see a lot of names that I've known over the years because uh, I've been at this a while. I love the fact that I, hopefully I look younger than what I really am, but I was uh, recognizing that I graduated from Ozark a long, long time ago. Uh, I, uh, I work here in what is this odd little a uh, weird restoration hub of Joplin, Missouri, where there just seems to be a whole lot of, of ministries that for some reason have gathered in this place. It's it's uh, it's a pretty bizarre thing. But uh, I got to enjoy my Ozark days when Ken Eidelman was president. So it's always good to see him. Uh, and the fact that he always remembers who I am, wherever I go, just means the world to me. But that's just Ken. That's who he is. Uh, but yeah, I've been in ministry now for 34 years, which is kind of crazy in terms of like paid ministry. I, I don't feel that that old hopefully it'll look that old but man it's uh it's been it's been good it's been hard it's been good um but yeah here at CIY we celebrated 20 years yesterday and uh if you don't know what Christ in youth is I'll, I'll, I'll talk a little bit about us just so you can have a heads up we do events for local churches and so basically um if you were to load your kids up in a anywhere from a minivan to charter buses we run you know we'll we'll have groups as I think our, we'll have a group of like, you know, three or four kids from a church. And then I've got one church that literally brought 4,000 students uh, from one church. And so the, the amount of students we run, it's, it's all over the map. Um, but uh, we do events for students. Uh, Superstart is both a weekend event. We're actually transitioning a little bit and testing out in the summer right now. And then we do an event called Mix. Not you need to remember what the brand names are. That doesn't matter. But it's for uh, junior high students. And then we do one called Move. Uh, that's been around forever, uh, and it's for high school students. And and so our heartbeat is to to call the next generation, you know, to Jesus, uh, to call them to kingdom work. And then for us, we have a massive passion for the local church. We tell our staff all the time, we are the bridesmaid, never the bride. And so everything we do is to point kids, to connect kids, to have them fall deeper in love with Jesus, with His kingdom, and with the local church. And and so that that truly is what what makes our heartbeat. Um, it's kind of crazy for us. I mean, in terms of 
you know, where we were at in 2020, kind of where you guys were at in 2020, is we lost 100% of it. We lost everything. I mean, we do live events. And so if you can kind of put your context in there, whereas most churches were still able to do some online things here and there and, and maintain some contact, uh, you know, our wheelhouse, everything we did was a live event. And I had people telling me, you know, the live events are dead, Jason. You guys got to find another way. Kids aren't going to come back. And I, I just didn't believe it. I, I think, you know, what God reveals in something as simple as physics is true. And that for, for every reaction, there's an equal and opposite reaction. And I told our team, was like, hold the line, hold the line. Just keep serving the church, loving Jesus, loving the church well. You know, last year when we came back, we were down still about 60% of where we used to be. Uh, and then this year, we actually hit an all-time record attendance uh, with just over, almost, just barely shy. Uh, but we're, we'll just call it, we'll just call it right at 48,000 students is what we had this summer. Uh, and so anytime you're getting to do 48,000 students, uh, I mean, that's the size of, of, a, of a small city. Uh, you're doing 48,000 students in, in about 10 weeks. It, it gets a little crazy. <laughs> uh, I tell our team, it was like in the midst, you know, more people, more problems is what you get. Uh, but it, it's what we prayed for, isn't it? Uh, we prayed for, for rebound. We prayed for good things. We prayed for the chance to serve the church well. And man, did God ever bless us. Uh, you know, when, when you're looking at the amount of, I think we put on 51 weeks of camp in a 10-week period. So most of the time we had things going on in every single time zone, coast to coast. Uh, I think we saw, I, I, I haven't even seen the total amount of churches that we had this summer, uh, probably somewhere in the 2000 range, but I don't actually know how many how many churches we had. I should know that. I'm sorry. I don't know that. Um, I just know the total attendance was right about, right about 48,000, uh, just shy of it by about 10 kids, a little less than 10. Um, but yeah, it was an amazing summer. Uh, in terms of post-COVID for us, uh, you know, a few lessons learned, um, you know, these kids, they have felt, you know, just pinned up. I mean, it's almost like, you know, for some of you guys that, that if you've got kids or you had kids a while back, you know, when you, you do that road trip and they're finally ready to get out of the car, uh, you just get a lot of random discipline issues and, and problems. Some aren't random. I mean, some of them we're, we're involved in law enforcement because you get a lot of lost kids and craziness happen, happens when you get 48,000 people, you're going to get, you're going to get some bad things happening. Not, not, I mean, for every thousand kids, that's, you know, maybe one, uh, most of them are amazing, but, uh, but man, they, they feel like they've been pinned up to be honest. And, and so this release for them was in, intense. Uh, they just wanted to, to pray hard, to play hard, uh, and everything they wanted to do, they wanted to go full tilt. And so it was, uh, it was a summer of trying to, uh, you know, hurt a lot of cats and trying to keep these kids under control, was crazy. They just a lot of them had just been held back for so long that they were just ready to go. Uh, you know, I can tell you one thing about this generation: they are done with COVID. Uh, they hear adults talking a lot about COVID, COVID, COVID. They hear it on the news every time they turn around, and and they want to vomit when they hear it. They are so done with it. Uh, I would tell you that, and, and I mean this tongue in cheek. I don't mean this literally, but if if we were to go back into some restrictions. Uh, the younger generation and the revolt we would probably see from them would be something that would be mind-boggling. I don't think they would take it. Uh, they feel like they have put up with a lot uh, in order to protect uh, people that were older, people that are at risk, that where they have borne the brunt of this in a lot of ways, they are done. Uh, they want no more masks. They want no more restrictions. They want no more of any of it. Uh, they've, they, their, their take on it is we have weathered our share and we're done. 
you know, they, they are over it. And so you can tell, man, <laughs> uh, it, is, it is pretty evident. Uh, but at the same time, there, there's also a lot of mental health issues uh, because these kids have, have spent so much time. You, know, you think about how formative it was for you as, as an emerging adolescent, whether it be your sports, your school gatherings, you know, your graduations, you know, just the friendship groups, the things you would go and do, everything from movie theaters to all the things that you did when you're an adolescent, where they lost about an 18 month gap, where they lost all of that formative time in their life. It was just gone, just taken from them. And so if you hear a little bit of that tension and anger in them, take a deep breath and take yourself back to what it was like at a teenager and how much you love that season in your life, how much it meant to you to hang out with friends, to do all the things, you know, for a whole huge period, of, they lost everything from sleepovers to baseball, to football, to, I mean, just so much was taken from them that, that honestly, there's a little bit of mental health issue there around some anger, some resentment, um, some tension. Uh, it, it's just, it's interesting. And, and it, just some depression and anxiety over it all. Uh, because now that it is opening up so much and so fast, all they've heard was it isn't safe, it isn't safe, it isn't safe. And now all of a sudden, almost what well, you, you all realize, it's almost like a, a switch got flipped and all of a sudden overnight, now everything's safe and we can do whatever we want. And they're like, wait, two, two months ago, you're telling me we couldn't. Now today you're telling me we can and they don't even know who to trust anymore. Um, you know, and, and that's pretty true when it comes to, to all things in authority. Um, there's just such a rampant distrust right now because they don't know who to believe uh, and who to listen to. So it's pretty interesting watching that. And so, so we see some of that playing out at our events. But in terms of how CIY is doing, honestly, we're doing pretty incredible. Um, we're feeling the same thing that Tim mentioned. Uh, you know, we're feeling the tension of inflation. Uh, not that it matters to you all, but, but you'll understand it when I explain it. We set all of our pricing for the entire year in August. So if I could ask you to rewind your minds to August of 2021, we didn't, none of us saw inflation doing what we saw, what, what, what just happened. If we would have known, we, we probably would have changed a lot of the ways we budget in our churches. We'd have changed a lot of things. But we set all of our pricing in August for all of our churches. And then when gas prices, you know, we have to fly all of our speakers in, bringing in bands, you know, just so many levers that we pull energy cost, all of it, everything just skyrocketed for us. And we left prices right where they were for churches. You know, we just couldn't change it. It was too late in the game. And so we had to absorb tremendous losses financially. Uh, so record attendance was great. We, we praise Jesus for that and give honor to, to him for that. Uh, but it didn't necessarily result in some of the records we would have hoped to for in terms of being able to take care of our staff. And so we're dealing with some of the same issues you guys are dealing with, with inflation. You're hitting it. You fill it in your homes. We fill it in our homes. You feel it in your church. We feel it in our work. You know, things there aren't 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 really all that different. But in terms of overall feeling, man, what I would tell you is, from the Restoration Church standpoint, um, I have an observation that that maybe a lot of you don't get every day. And hopefully, when you hear that there are forty, nearly forty eight thousand young people gathering, the church is alive and well, y'all that I think sometimes you hear too much pessimism, you hear too much grief, you hear too much negativity. And I don't know where that all's coming from because I'm living, I'm living way upstream. A lot of you guys are downstream and I'm saying, Hey, upstream, the river's flowing, man. We got, we got record attendance, record churches. People are growing. Great things are happening. Be careful about believing all the negative PR that you hear sometimes about the church. Because uh, I'm, I'm way further upstream than what some of you guys are seeing on a day-to-day -day basis. 
and I'm telling the river's flowing. There's a strong current coming your way. And, and we are not in distress. We are not in despair. We are not in dismay. There's a lot of people that, that, that sell a lot of books and get a lot of articles off peddling negativity. And, and I would say our numbers speak for themselves. Okay, you can't negate that. Uh, you can write up whatever you want. You can insert stats all you want, but the numbers speak for themselves. See, I went with Sarah. I went from zero in 2020 to 48,000 people in 2020, 2022. That should say something about part of about, about the movement you're you're involved with. Let that be encouraging to you. And when you hear the naysayers go, mm, I got to call time out on that. I, I know what's coming. Maybe what you're dealing with is a little bit different, but what's coming our way is actually incredibly healthy. So hopefully that encourages your heart. Uh, you know, in terms of the restoration movement. Hopefully you're like, that's good news. It should be. Um, where we were this year, we lived uh, in a theme broadcast and we camped out on that all summer. And uh, we use the broadcast, kind of a double term there. Um, one, Jesus used parables to broadcast his message, you know, even verbally. Uh, but then we twisted that and used the parable of the sower in terms of how Jesus broadcast. Now, I'm going to give you for free a whole sermon series here, so get ready to write this down. Uh, you can steal it. It's fine by me. So the theme was broadcast, uh, but then we kind of went through the parable of the sower was our anchor point, and we went through, you know, first of all, talking about how, you know, talk about the seed, talked about then how, you know, it's planted. Then we went through and talked about how it becomes rooted, how it grows, how it blooms. We're kind of the five themes that we walk through. Again, for me, write that down real quick because you're like, give me a sermon series. Uh, broadcast, seed, planted, rooted, grow, bloom. Uh, and then out of each one of those, we went into a different parable that, that Jesus um, taught on. And so we love just talking about the teachings of Jesus straight up, right out in front of students. Uh, and we saw a ton of decisions this summer. Uh, I was incredibly encouraged about that. Um, you know, in terms of just like total, you know, I told you about the total number of people, but we had right around 2,500 first-time decisions at our event, you know, and, and I would let you know that the amount of first-time decisions you see after event are way higher than what you see take place like in the room. Those are the decisions we saw happen at, at the events themselves were about 2,500 first-time decisions. And then even beyond that, we saw about 1,400, almost 1,500, 1,489 decisions for vocational ministry. Uh, and so there's a lot of positive traction. And I'll get into that one even a little bit deeper here in a second. But we just, my overall feeling is good. It's good about our movement. It's good about our churches. It's good about the traction. It's good about the energy. Like, I understand that some of our churches are having somewhat of a hard time returning. But I would say overall, especially among the younger generation, things are going well, very, very, very well. And, and our movement is growing and good, good things are happening. Um, you know, a few things that I, that I would hit on just a little bit as you think about, you know, this next generation. And, and before we run out of time, I want to talk about what you can do as leaders with your students that either came to our events, you went to your local church camps, you know, whatever it is that you did. Uh, here's some things I would say. Number one, this generation is different. And I always get a little bit discouraged. I understand why, why sometimes some of the older generation can have a hard time with younger generation. You know, well, hey, they're always, they're always staring at this thing, you know. Uh, you know, they're, they seem to be a little disconnected. And, and, and sometimes there can be a bit of negativity about this generation. And I would encourage you as pastors and leaders, this generation is an insane gift to the church. Um, they are so different. 
first of all, the funny thing is, uh, I know we, you know, we pick on it, whether it be boomers, Gen Xers, millennials, Gen Zers, alphas, all that kind of stuff. We, we pick at all these different generations and, and sometimes, you know, you know, the, the boomer generation can be a little bit, a little bit more, more harsh at Gen Zers. And the funny thing is they're probably more like you all than they are, you know, the other two generations, actually, uh, what drives and what motivates them is closer to that generation than, than millennials and, and Gen, Gen Xers. Um, but some reasons I'd be encouraged and maybe some things you can do. Uh, one is Barnes pointed out, and David Kinnam is a, a good friend of mine. He's pointed out that, that this generation is one of the most evangelistic generations we've seen in a long time. Way more than millennials, way, way more than Gen Xers, and honestly, perhaps even more than boomers. That if you can get them focused and directed, they will share their faith. They are an evangelistic generation if they understand it and they believe it. And it is a gift to the church. They'll talk about their faith uh, and they're willing to, to get out there and do that. Uh, the issue is you got to get them, you got to get them directed you, and not just trained. They, they need to believe it. They need to understand it, wrap their heads around it, and then they will articulate it. What a gift to the church. You know, I would say, you know, people ask me all the time if I could make one strong encouragement to shape and change and inform youth ministry, what would it be? Uh, and this is the same thing we give you to get traction beyond uh, beyond summer for your kids that went to camp. If we can figure out at a local church level how to move youth ministry from an attendance-based metric to an activation-based metric, we can change the game in this next generation. Here's the issue. These kids cannot stand to sit and listen. Drives them crazy. Uh, whereas millennials were driven a lot by relationships this group wants to know their impact. And the idea of coming to church and watching your thing take place, whether it be at a, at a Sunday school level, at a church level, they don't want to sit and listen. It bores them out of their ever-loving minds. They cannot stand it. And if all we're calling them to do and the metric we measure by is how many do we have in attendance, we're going to lose them. And so one of the things I'm pushing churches to consider is, Measure the success of your youth ministry by how many kids you have activated. And by activated, I mean, how many are working in children's ministry? How many of them are serving communion? How many of them are working in the parking lots? How do, what are all the different spaces in your church that a young person can serve and raise the bar? Like I know for my daughter, she's been teaching uh, starting her, I think her sophomore, junior year. She has been one of the primary teachers of fourth grade Sunday school for the last two or three years as a teenager. What's her engagement with church? Super high. Her peers that just kind of go to church, not nearly as engaged. So I would encourage you to start looking for what are all the different ways that we can activate kids and not just, because a lot of times we judge our youth ministries by, well, how many kids did you have on Sunday morning? How many did you have on Wednesday night? And that metric is not a healthy measurement on the success of a student ministry. Start measuring how many of our kids are activated and doing some of their faith whether it be serving in local shelters, tutoring in school systems. There's a million different ways you can do it. Measure activation. If you can get these kids activated, your chance of get, keeping them connected to church for, you know, way beyond camp are going to grow exponentially. Uh, the last thing that I, would, that I would hit on, and I'll let you guys ask me a few questions. So, you know, activation over attendance. Um, I, I'm going to write a book at some point um, that I'm working on called Use Me or Lose Me. Uh, which is how to reach the next generation and connect in the local church. And the whole point is, if we don't use them, we'll lose them. They don't want to just sit and listen. They're, they're not interested in that. They want to be used. 
Um, so then the last I'd say is kind of a, a huge pressure point for CIY that you can be praying for us. Uh, you know, Tim mentioned it. At CIY, we feel an immense burden um, to use the platform that God has given us to raise up more kingdom workers. One of the problems we're seeing is that while we may see 1,489 kids make decisions for vocational ministry, why aren't more of those kids making it into our Bible colleges? And why aren't more of those kids making it into some of the residency programs that are taking place? There's a massive hole in our pipeline. Uh, when I met with some incredibly large churches and I asked them, how many of you guys have a written plan for moving kids into ministry? One out of four had any type of written plan and it wasn't even a very robust plan. I would ask you the same question. Not do you have a plan and we can talk about it, but how many of your churches have a written plan written down on a piece of paper that's been communicated to leadership? Volunteers know. It's written down step by step. Here's what we do with a kid that makes a decision of vocational ministry to move them from decision into being activated and plugged into ministry someday. Our goal at CIY is to see 3,000 kids that we can trace and track that are moved into ministry by 2030. Within the next seven years, we want to move 3,000. Now, maybe that sounds low because we saw 1489 just in one year, but we want to make sure we can track it and we can measure it. And that's a goal we've got. And we would, we've got a coalition we've built that's working on that everywhere from, you know, Matt Proctor and I don't need to go on all the names. There's a lot of, of key people that are already a part of that team. They'll be praying for us. Our goal is 3000 by 2030. Uh, and while we, we think that might be a soft goal, uh, it's a good starting point. Um, that we can measure and track 3,000 new vocational ministers within the next seven years. Um, and it's just part of what we feel like we can do at CIY to help address this, this void that we're all feeling for, vo for, for vocational ministry. So, yeah, I know we're going to run out of time here shortly, but um, love you guys, love our movement, and, and love what Solomon's doing. Renee, thanks for letting me be a part. Uh, but any questions you guys have for me, for CIY, or for what I'm seeing in maybe this next generation?